Okay, Inside Golf Podcast, Honda Classic with uh, Twitterless Steve, one of my all-time favorite guests, extremely smart dude. Uh, we argue about agronomy all the time. He really knows his stuff, and that's why I always uh, love having him on. If you haven't already, for a deeper dive on this golf course and a lot of the key stats that I'm looking at, check out the Sunday show, which is also on this podcast feed, Honda Classic Betting and DFS Preview. And I think that's it at the top. Let's bring in Steve. All right. Steve Shermer is here. Twitterless Steve, as I call him, co-host of the Golf Gambling Podcast. How are you this week, buddy? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. We had a little bit of an interesting conversation back and forth while you were at, at, uh, at Riviera this week, <laughs> sending me some photos that and uh, videos that uh, you couldn't uh, put on Twitter because you would offend some a certain fan base with that. I, you know, I, I appreciate you sending it that and... Uh, us having our little chat, you know, and you know, on the side. So yeah, but thanks for having me on the show. I really, I really appreciate being on. And congrats to you on the Neiman hit, my friend. Thank you, appreciate. It. That's two in a row. I think I was with everybody with Scheffler on uh, at Phoenix, and yeah. I have no idea how much people were on Neiman this week. Uh, I saw his number kind of get steamed a little bit up to I think like I think I'm one book forty five to one, but I, I got in early. I just had a good feeling on him, and yeah, it hit, and I'm ready to roll for uh, with the Honda here. That, well, that's the beauty of talking to Twitterless Steve. He's completely oblivious of how popular these guys are. Neiman was pretty popular. So talking to you, yeah. like you have no idea. You probably don't even know who Mito Pereira is. Of course I know who Mito Pereira is. <laughs> he shows really well on my stats page. Yeah, as he <laughs> yeah. does with everyone. Right. But no, I mean, that was a great hit. I, uh, I played him in DraftKings. Unfortunately, I paired him with Matthew Fitzpatrick, who didn't play in the tournament. So that didn't go very well for me, but other than that, it was a uh, it was a solid week, and happy to see a lot of my buddies, you included, get in on that. He's talented as hell. I think people don't realize how young he is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think my premise going into last week was, I mean, like you have all these young guns who are getting the big wins. Like Scheffler just got his big win. He got Morikawa, mm. and you know, Sungjae has got a couple wins now, and you know, Neiman's got the one win, but it's so long ago, and it felt like he kind of got shuffled back of the pack. And when I saw the 71 number, I just realized, all right, well, did really well. Tory, he had a good fin- couple of finishes in the fall. I just believe in the talent. That was just a, a bet on that. So, so yeah, that was good. But uh, I, I think with the Fitzpatrick thing, you know, I, I'm kind of racking my brain. Like what's the solution to that for like guys in the West coast? Like, I mean, I could just, we could get like a, like a emergency phone line between us two, like kind of like how the Soviet Union USA had. Kirshner just, tried. Yeah. Kirshner <laughs> tried really hard. Kirshner, I say, I sent you a message too. And yeah. Like calling me. Yeah. No, it's, and I'm an early riser too. I actually am up at six most mornings. The thing is, and I should probably change my schedule. Thursday's my day to like sleep in because I'm grinding so hard Monday through Wednesday. And then Thursday, it's like, okay, I play golf on Thursday. I have a golf game on Thursday. And then Friday, I'm already starting with the next tournament. So Thursday's like my day off, but I should probably change that with the last minute withdrawals, especially because I'm playing Louie this week too. Yeah. And I, th- I think they're going to tee off here around like 6.58 Eastern time. So oh, man, yeah, you might have to actually stay up late on Wednesday just to make sure everything's all good. And then they go off here. Cause yeah, I mean, if you are playing Louie, we have, there's been many examples. I think I got caught last year, I think at Bay Hill with Louie just last minute withdraw and ruin all my lineups. And I mean, at least I'll have my pre-tournament bets. He was nice to do it before he teed off. So all those got no action, 
but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's dive into it, my friend. So mm-hmm. PGA National, uh, it was designed by George and Tom Fazio in 1981 with a couple Nicholas redesigns in between. I've joked uh, my Sunday show that we've got all my least favorite designers collaborating on the same project, but I actually think this course is pretty awesome. Um, I love hard golf courses. I love firm and fast golf courses. And the fact that water comes into play on almost every hole creates a lot of variance that maybe makes betting this tournament a little bit more difficult. But I love it for DraftKings because I'm telling you right now, Steve, chalky guys are going to bomb this week. Mm. And that's typically when I'm able to do my best work. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think when you look at like Ricky's like history here, like usually a pretty chalky play before he kind of fell off a cliff. But mm. like, I think he went win, cut, second, cut. Yeah. Like you can try looking at course history, but just because of how penal this place is and you just get a couple bad holes at the wrong time, like it's stuff can avalanche and, you know, you can see a guy just bomb out completely. So I, I think that's kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to give myself a little bit of grace this week that while yes, like I'll look at the data, I'll look at the numbers, things look good. I'm going to make a bad call. You're going to make a bad call. Stuff is just going to kind of blow up in our face this week and just try and stay patient and not freak out. If a guy we pick starts off with a, I don't know, 73 on Friday or Saturday or on Thursday, just kind of see how things go. So one thing I always like talking to you about before we dig into the odds board is because we always talk about how we push back a lot, how you can, there's a big opportunity to push back on popular narratives, especially in DraftKings. Is there anyone that, is there anything that you think people are like getting wrong with PJ National? Is there anything you think people are missing? It's a lot of the same stuff every year, right? But I'm trying to think if there's like an angle that we're not thinking of here. I don't know. I mean, I, I think maybe the maybe the importance of accuracy because, like, I mean, obviously at mm. this tournament you have to be accurate. The problem is we're taking driver out of a lot of these guys' hands, and a lot of the you know the accuracy stats off the tee that we look at is well, these guys are hitting driver, but these are hitting irons, maybe hitting you know hybrids and stuff like that, and it's it's kind of hard to really gauge how these guys do with those clubs more in their hand off the tee than just if they're at, I don't know, like last week at Riviera or like Tory Pines or something. So for me, I'm not so much concerned about off the tee just because I think this is just a different week. Like, you know, and we've seen guys who have won here and been successful who just bomb it all over the place. And I think Mm. you mentioned on your Sunday show is, you know, that maybe those guys get a little bit more of an edge because they're hitting clubs that they should be a little more accurate with and they can Mm. get out a little farther and, you know, short up their approach shot distances. So, you know, there's that. And I I just think like everybody kind of gloms onto when you get to a tournament like this with a really bad field, just everyone goes to the ball strikers. And I think it's important to recognize that, yeah, like there's some really good ball strikers here, but you know, you might run a model that says your guy is like the 30th best ball striker in this field, but you know, relatively speaking, that might not really mean a whole lot because, you know, just in general, they might be just slightly above average. It means they have a pretty big floor. There's a realm of possibility with that. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of, for me, I'm trying to look for like guys who are just riding pretty good recent form with their ball striking, with their irons coming a little bit hot with it, you know, trying to find some guys that if you do miss a green, which you are going to miss a green and hopefully you don't hit a water hazard that you get up and down for par, you know, good Bermuda putters. Yeah. I mean, like, and then just guys who I think like, I know that they've done really good at like 
really hard penal golf courses. Like there's a lot of golf courses I can think of with a lot of water, a lot of trouble on the PGA tour. And I can see a lot of guys in this field where I can remember, okay, yeah. Top five finish, top 10 finish. I, there's like a lot of pieces of evidence I have that maybe supports me putting a bet on them or using the DraftKings this week. Yeah. The only thing that I was kind of, that I wanted to push back on a little bit is like the idea that this tournament's a total crapshoot. Like, Four of the last 10 years, a guy below 20 to one has won. Like favorites play well at this course. And I think that's because you have to hit like golf shots. Like there are a lot of intimidating tee shots and Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, when he won, he was at the top of his game. He was like 16 to one that week. Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, like favorites play well here. Now you also get some total bombs too, but even the bombs were like unproven guys that turned out to be good like Russell Henley, who is now a 30 to one golfer, um, Patrick Harrington, who's like the 43rd best golfer of all time, just wasn't in good form. And even Keith Mitchell, who I'm sure we'll talk about. Like, I think Keith Mitchell's good. He, he got his breakout win here, but I think, I think Keith Mitchell's going to win multiple times on tour. I think he's a good player. So I think I don't really have an issue with, in terms of betting, like this isn't, this wasn't a week where I was thinking like, okay, kind of like I did at Pebble Beach where I was like, okay, bombs away here. And I think I didn't really have anyone below 50 to one. I I think you can go in either direction. I think this week, right? Like I think, you know, if Louie or Sungjae or Berger or Neiman for that matter, like bring their A game, they will win, right? The question, the thing that's tricky is like, it's not the best field this week. Right. And that's sometimes plays into the reason why you have more long shots is because, it's not always the best field, right? So there's not always the best players playing in this tournament, which makes it easier for longer odds, guys. Yeah, I, I think for me, like looking down the odds boards too, I, I kind of was trying to get like, okay, who can do an impression of like Michael Thompson? Who can do an impression mm. of Keith Mitchell? Like, you know, those types of plays, like like putting them in like, all right, a cookie cutter template of what I think can win here and then trying to find like longer odds of guys. And like, you know, maybe even some guys who I've seen them actually, you know, be relatively towards the top, you know, sometime this year. But yeah, like you're right. It seems like theoretically at a golf course where you separate yourself the most on the leaderboard with how you hit your irons. Yeah. Well, I mean, the best players in this field should hit their irons better. So that's why I've seen good winners. So yeah, like, I, I mean, I think, I have a little bit of a mix as far as my betting card, as far as, you know, a little bit with the top tier, a little bit of the mid tier. Cause I found some a couple of guys I liked, you know, around like 50, 60, 70 to one that I liked. And then um, I got, a, I think one guy over a hundred. So, you know, just cause he, he fit that Keith Mitchell mold. And yeah. Got a it, soft ball. No, it's, it's really goes both ways because I guarantee you that one of the favorites is going to miss the cut too. And just oh, yeah. hit a punch in the water. So let, let's dig into it. Let's talk about the guys under 25 to one on DraftKings. So, I did this this morning. I'm sure these numbers may have changed a little bit. Um, and feel free to throw out any numbers uh, you had, Steve, on these guys. But Sung JM's 10 to 1, Tommy Fleetwood's 14 to 1, Louis Ussay's in 16, Billy Horschel's 18, Daniel Berger's 18, Neiman's 18, Lowry's 22, Brooks is 22. On DraftKings, those are like the top guys. And then there's this drop off to Matthew Wolf at 35. You betting any of these guys, Steve? So I really only wanted to pick one guy out of this group. And I was trying to think, <clears throat> you know, I was trying to go for the guys around 20. Now, Louie's number has moved up <clears throat> since we've talked, since those numbers in the morning. <clears throat> I think it opened around 22 or 20 or so. There, And I there might be a 20 still out there. 
So it was either going to be him, it was going to be Fleetwood, it was going to be Kepka, who I think I can make a case for this week, or Shane Lowry. And I ended up on Shane Lowry this week at 25. I, I got that number. And I, I think the benefit of, so I, I keep my own data, I keep my own spreadsheet. And part of the benefit of that is I can incorporate the European tour strokes gain data uh, that you can get on data golf. And, yeah. you know, I mean, if you just look at just as PGA tour results, all you see recently is the Houston open and CJ Cup, nothing notable. Mm. Um, but he's played a lot of golf since then. He had a top 10 at the Alfred Dunhill and the, uh, at the DP world championship last fall. You know, those are two actually pretty strong European tour yeah. um, uh, fields finished, uh, I think T12 at uh, the Abu Dhabi, which actually had pretty difficult scoring conditions this week. I uh, finished T12 at the Saudi as well. Again, two pretty good fields. Um, the one thing that Lauer's been doing really well is just hitting the hell out of his irons lately. He's gained in about um, almost a stroke per round with his irons over his last 12 rounds. Uh, and he just has a lot of good finishes last year on just some difficult golf courses like, you know, PJ Championship at, at Kiowa. That's a golf course where he can't really get out of position. Uh, he has, I think, a T6 at the Memorial. That's a Jack Nicholas. I know that's a completely different golf course in this place, but, I mean, conceptually, that's one where you can't really get out of position. It's super penal. Like, you have to kind of plot around, and he's got a good result there. He was T11 at Liberty National. It's a golf course with a lot of water on it. Uh, he was eighth at Sawgrass last year. He just He's been playing a lot of solid golf for the last year, and, you know, I, his results here are kind of okay, but – you know, this is also a tournament where I know that, you know, the results here, there can be really mixed. And I just landed on him. I, I kind of like what I saw on paper with the European tour results. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody's really betting him, but yeah, I just, I was going to go Louis and I can make a great case for him. Anybody who wants to go Louis in their right. It's, I, it's a great pick, but I just, I, I wanted Lowry this week. Yeah. I, I love Lowry. I'm a play him in DraftKings. I went Louis in terms of betting. Um, I talked about him a lot on my Sunday show. I don't, you know, I don't know how popular he's going to end up being. I haven't listened to anything yet. I did speak to Jeff this morning and I know Jeff likes him. So I assume he'll get talked about on Mayo. Our friend Brian, I don't know if you've heard this, really likes Louie. Um, <laughs> you know, I think all of this will matter in DraftKings. And if he becomes super popular, I'll, I'll gladly pivot to Berger or Neiman, who I also want to talk about. But I mean, my my first instinct on Sunday morning was... I think this all plays right into Louis's hands, right? We get the rare combination of a major championship style golf course, but a weak field. And I like how he shake, has shaken the rust off in Phoenix. He looked really good in Phoenix, gained strokes in all four major categories. He's comfortable on Bermuda. He's comfortable in the wind. Um, I don't know. There's injury concerns about Berger. Neiman might be tired. We never know what we're getting for the European guys that generally don't win here. I'm not as afraid of Billy Horschel and Sung JM as I think others are. Like the door is kind of wide open for Louie right now. Like this is, he should win this tournament. I don't know if he's going to, but I think it's kind of a rare opportunity where very rarely do we see a golf course that Louis stays in is kind of perfect for. And he doesn't have to deal with Morikawa and mm. all the best golfers in the world and Rom and all those guys that also love hard scoring conditions, right? Yeah. I mean, I actually, I think we have a pretty recent example of Louie in 
a weak field on a golf course with a ton of water, a ton of bunkers. And that was at TPC Twin Cities. Kind of, yeah, yeah kind good. of an abomination of the golf course too. But, you know, he was T2 there. And, you know, there's a lot of examples of him playing well at some penal golf courses, you know, a lot. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, you know, it's, it's, I think some people have the narrative with Louie that, oh, he'll only get up for like, you know, big events or, hmm. you know, stuff like that. But I mean, we saw it last summer. He, I, I think that was, wasn't that a week after the open too? And he just came over and played and yeah. he was perfectly fine. I, I think that I remember last year, I didn't like Louie because I was like, all right, well, he's going to be tired. And, you know, he's, who cares about this event? And you can probably say the same narrative. All right. Who, who cares about Honda? Yeah. You know, maybe he's thinking about the players, but yeah, I, I think you're right. He definitely is a great match for this golf course. And if he is firing at all cylinders, there's maybe two or three guys in this field that can equal him to beat him. Really? Can I hear your Brooks case? Cause I don't, I don't see it this week for him at all. So here's my case. I was off Brooks last week because he had been on record about just not liking Kukuyu. So what happened last week is just whatever. Like, I, like he, he, I, I knew he wasn't going to play well in Riviera just because yeah. he has admitted that he just doesn't hit the ball well there. So now he's going to get back on Bermuda. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a service he's done well on his career. He's been pretty good at this golf course. And, you know, I, I like he just contended at a golf course that he has a pretty good track record with at Scottsdale, mm-hmm. you know, and this is going to play pretty difficult. It usually does. And I, I, I didn't bet him because I was hoping the number would be like the books would kind of, punish him a little bit too much. It doesn't seem like they did that just because I think they left him just a 20, but I can see a path of maybe using him in DFS because he's not going to be owned this week. Everybody's yeah. still saying, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to use him at the Honda because again, yeah. there's the narrative. That's why I wanted you to sell me because I don't think anyone's going to play him this week. Yeah. I, I just, I just think like this is going to be a, a golf course. He's going to be a little more comfortable at on the surface, a little more comfortable. At. And you talked about it last night, you know, maybe the guys in Jupiter have a little bit of an edge here. Yeah. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. So yeah, it, it would not surprise me if I don't think he's going to win, but like a T seven this week. And, you know, then we got him kind of, you know, we're chirping about him a little bit like, all right, can he finally go to the players and TBC Sawgrass and actually deliver a good performance there? You know, I can see that this week. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about, so basically I, I'm going, I think how I'm going to do it at the top now shifting over to DraftKings a little bit is Louie, Fleetwood, and Lowry were the guys I was looking at. By the way, how's, how is Fleetwood's uh, Euro ball striking numbers? Because he's actually been good too. Yeah, so he's actually doing pretty similar stuff that Lowry had been yeah, doing. Yeah, I like Fleetwood. The ball, the ball striking has been really good with him. It's just the putter that's been yeah. atrocious. And that's actually kind of been a problem for Fleetwood for the past year. His putter's been really dicey. And that's kind of, I think, why we've been seeing him. Well, I mean, Fleetwood's always been known to choke. Uh, I know my co-host on the Golf Gaming Podcast is going to be very proud that I uh, I admitted that on uh, on air here. But you know, you kind of even saw it at the Saudi where he was in position to win. And it just, I, I know it was really hard wind conditions on the back nine. He, I think he shot a back nine 39. It just, it's the same old story with him. And yeah. he did it exactly at this tournament too. Uh, I think before COVID, which seems like a billion years ago, he should have won that tournament. They gacked it away. I think at the Italian open last year, he had that tournament, you know, kind of under control. And I think he let that one slip away too. It just, it's the same old thing with him. Like, I think he can play well. Like, you know, we're going to talk about another guy, like, you know, that I like where, I mean, this golf course definitely favors, I think, a more European style just because you're hitting a lot of 
mid irons, intermediate irons, more about just precision, you know, like, you know, just, you know, keeping out of trouble. And that's, you know, that's uh, Tommy Fleetwood's game. That's why he has, I think, two top fives here. But, you know, I, I just, I didn't land on him. I mean, for DraftKings, I'll, you know, I, I'm yeah. definitely not opposed to playing him just for my outright. Yeah, 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 no. Well, the thing that's interesting is the fact that he's 14 to one at some places, like, yeah, I'm obviously not going to bet him at 14 to one. That is a queer message saying, hey, we are good on your Tommy Fleetwood action. Like, you mm-hmm. can bet on other people. You can take that somewhere else, guys, because we don't want it. Um, so, I don't know. I'm going to play him in DraftKings. Listen, the best round of golf that I've ever seen in person in my entire life, I've gone to a lot of golf tournaments, was Tommy Fleetwood Sunday 65 at the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. Mm-hmm. Better than Xander 61 at Northern Trust. Better than some of the Tiger rounds I've seen. He was like 10 strokes better than the field that day. And I just can't get that windy, hard, got to scramble, got to get up and down, firm, fast. Actually, that plays right into your Brooks argument as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, he won Shinnecock, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, you, you talked about, I think on your Sunday show about you like guys with good U.S. Open success. And I mean, Tommy Fleetwood's that guy, you know, top 10 at Aaron Hills, top 10 at Shinnecock Hills. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Port, Port Rush, like. Lowry yep. too. Yeah. Yep. And, and Lowry's another guy with some US Open good finish too with Oakmont and uh, Chambers Bay as well. That was firm and fast. So yeah, I mean, I mean, that's those are the types of guys I kind of gravitated to this week, you know, just those types. Okay, quick, quick hitters, real quick. Sung Jay in or out. I think I'm out on him. Yeah, me too. I don't I know. Like it, it just seems like the I just have a feeling like this is gonna be one of those years where he just bombs out. Like I, I guess if I'm picking nits, the irons haven't been all that great the last three tournaments. Um yeah. I, I know he gained last, I think he gained last week, but he's been kind of yo-yoing a little bit between good performance, bad performance, the irons. I don't know. I just I just have a feeling maybe this is just a bomb like a bomb out week for him. Billy Ho. I'm always on Billy Ho. I just I can't oh. stand that guy. No, it's yeah. it's it is full economic sanctions, full embargo and Billy Harshall. I just I just never feel good having him on my betting card. And I, I, I totally get the argument. I totally yeah, understand too. why he would be great here. I just, no. Yeah, he's kind of an easy fade for me, to be honest with you. Like, I, I understand the love, but he played well at Torrey and Phoenix. He also gained 10 strokes putting over the course of those two weeks. Like, I like Billy when he's between 40 and 80. And he's sneaking up on people. I don't, I don't think Billy's sneaking up on anyone right now. And I think he's overpriced. So I don't like it this week. Berger. Quick on burger. You know, I tried being cute and saying, oh, well, you know what? Maybe the back injury isn't all that great at Phoenix. You know, I'm not going to go that again. He's saying he's 16 this week. No, I'm, I'm not. I don't think I want to play that game. Yeah, me neither. So my theory was, Steve, if burger opened up as the favorite, then he would, then I was going to play him because that would probably mean that he's completely healthy. And I trust that sports books have more information on this stuff than people on Twitter and often the media. And the fact that he didn't open as a favorite and he opened at like 18 to one, I'm out. That smells mm. funky. That means they that means they don't trust it either. Neiman. You know, I mean, thank you, Mr. Uh, Neiman, for last week. I don't think I'm going back to that well. Not at okay. 16. Yeah, I don't know. I may, to be honest with you, because I... Listen, I think that's for DraftKings, right? I don't think he's going to win back-to-back. But Tom Hoagie wins Pebble Beach. 
absolutely no one plays him the next week in Phoenix. He's like 6%. He's one of the best DraftKings plays on the entire board. Finishes top 10. Scotty Scheffler wins Phoenix. Absolutely no one plays him the next week at Riviera. He's like 6%. He's one of the best DraftKings plays on the entire board. Finishes top 10. Like Neiman gained nine strokes ball striking last week. And it's not like I get the he's tired thing. He's also sleeping in his own bed. He lives in Jupiter, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a perfect golf course for him and a shit field. So like, is it inconceivable that he contends again? I don't think so. I, maybe. Like if the Louie ownership gets too crazy, I would play a little Neiman. Okay. Now, I mean, I get that. It's just, I mean, it's just a personal bias I have about guys who just won the last week. I just go, you know, I'm like everybody else that just discards them and say, all right, you, you know, it's going to be well, like that's why, that's why but, I was but putting I, the I nail in that yep. theory a little bit is that yep. I'm that way too. And mm-hmm. then you look at the guys that played Hoagie the week after he won and the guys that played Scheffler and like they won all the money. Yeah. No, I, I you know, you're right. I think for DraftKings, yeah, because I, I did look at early ownership. It's no one's going on. I mean, so it's the yeah. exact same logic. So yeah, I, I definitely could see that. All right. Let's talk about the next tier. I'm not going to list all these guys, Steve, anywhere over 25 between a hundred, like where you get, who's your first guy after Lowry? So actually the first guy, the first bet I made of the week, and it's a little inc- unconventional because you wouldn't think this guy should be a good fit for uh PJ National, and he didn't play very well. The first I played was Matthew Wolf, 40, 40 to uh, one. I, mm. so, so here's the case I can make for Matthew Wolf. So everyone thinks just a bomber sprays it everywhere. You know, I, what really impressed me last fall is when he went to Mayakoba and he took yeah. the driver out of his head and he was just hitting driver iron over and over. And just, that was a week I was like, all right, this is not a Matthew Wolf week. We finished, I think he was leading heading into the weekend. Saturday got away from him, but he finished, I think, really strong on Sunday. You know, it, there were he, he could have won three times last fall. He was in the mix of Mayakoba. He was in the mix at Shriners. He was in the mix of Houston. And, you know, his only win came at TPC Twin Cities, a golf course with a lot of water, a lot of bunkers where you can't just spray it everywhere. And, you know, like, why can't he do something like Keith Mitchell did, where he's just this bomber, but, you know, he hits his irons pretty good, finds a little form with the putter, which actually has been putting pretty well over his last 50 rounds. And he's even scrambling a little better, too. So, you know, I'm always worried about, you know, he's not the best bunker player, but it, you know, looking at some of the weather forecasts, it might not be quite as windy as what it used to be. Maybe this will be, you know, maybe that won't be quite as challenging for him, you know, as, you know, maybe he'll hit a little more greens, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I saw the 40 on him. I just believe in the talent and I can see like at a golf course where he's not hit, have to hit driver where he can kind of just hit iron and play a little bit positional golf. I kind of like him this week. That's a good case. It's a good case. The Mayakoba thing, it's a good point. The TPC Twin Cities thing, also a very good point. I think people probably, myself included, like he was a mess at the Amex, right? Mm -hmm. Which had a bunch of water and stuff like that too. So I think that's probably clogging people's memory. When when Luke, when Matthew Wolf, I almost said Luke Wolf was a guy, one of my college friends. When Matthew Wolf is on, like he is... He's driving it long and straight, right? Mm-hmm. And we saw what he did at Wingfoot on harder golf courses. So I get it. I went with, I, I gravitated more quickly to Keith Mitchell, actually, because, and I talked about Mitchell a lot on my Sunday show. So I'm not really, I'm not going to belabor the point here. I got a, I was really bummed I missed the 40. I got a 36, which I don't feel great about. But I just look at the, I look at the way he's hitting the ball right now. And 
I think he's trending towards another win. It's kind of a, it's kind of more of a macro buy for me where I actually think Keith Mitchell's good. I look at what Keith Mitchell does and his driver is at the point where it's an absolute weapon, but he also has the combination of he can get really hot with his putter too. Like he can putt and he has a good short game. The only thing that hasn't really clicked in his game yet is the irons. And actually that's turning around. And mm-hmm. Mitchell is having these weeks where He's finishing top 10 in Phoenix when he was cursed, right? He's finishing 12th at the RSM. Like he's finishing, he's, he's finishing top 15 every week without that spike putting week. And Mitchell has gained over 3.5 strokes putting in five of his last 13 starts, right? So when Keith Mitchell putts, and usually it's on Bermuda, he really putts. Right, he really puts, and I think that's kind of exactly what you want to be looking for in an outright is guys that are volatile putters, but when they putt, they really do putt. So I think Keith Mitchell can win again. I really, I really do here. I love this course for him. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, and on your point with the irons, like you know, it's what I found just doing research was sometimes just looking at overall strokes gain approach numbers coming into term isn't all that predictive of who actually does well, but I know. You know, he's coming in, he's coming in riding high with the irons He's gained about 0.4 strokes over the last 12 rounds. You're right with a putter. I, I think I remember last year, he was just a complete mess for about like three or four months. He's really turned that around and he's better on Bermuda. We have, there's a lot of evidence of him really good on some hard golf courses, like a quail Hollow, like a TBC twin cities. Yeah. I mean, like he's really good here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, repeats as well or uh, I guess our win okay next guy for you so I really like Alex and Warren this week yeah me too yeah all right fine first, <laughs> first one we first, first one <laughs> so I mean I think the case for Norn is yeah I kind of look at PJ National and it reminds me a lot of like golf national over in France just a lot oh, of just, a just narrow yeah water penal and he's awesome there he's got a win in two top tens uh he's got I think a top five here I keep going back to this TBC Twin season because it's actually kind of like Michael Thompson won there and yeah. he's won here. I know Keith Mitchell is actually pretty good at TBC Twin Seas. I think Woodland did well there last year. Like there's a little bit of a weird crossover between those two. Things. I think it's just because it's just just both. It's water. Uh, no, yeah, you're, you're yeah. on to something. It's water. Those court, it's yeah. uh, it's a flat golf course over there too. Yeah, like I know, I, I know it's in, in Minnesota, but it's a really flat golf course. No, I think you're on to something there. Yeah. Yeah. And Norton finished, I think T3 back in 2020 at that mm-hmm. golf course. And you know, there's a couple other other, like uh, he finished uh, T4 at Liberty national last year. That's a golf course, a lot of water too. And this is a guy as well. There's like, if you look at the long-term stats, he's average. He's an average iron player, but he's hitting yeah. his irons really well coming in. He hit the ball. Okay. Last week. It just, he didn't seem to putt well at, at Riviera. Maybe that bounces back and he tends to putt pretty well in Bermuda. I like him a lot. this week. I got him at 40 to one. I bet him to a 40 to one. He's also going to be sleeping in his own bed. He's a bears club guy. One of the guys I play with out here is, is a bears club member and he goes out there in the wintertime and plays with Norrin sometimes. And he's like, this guy lives on the driving range. Like he is such, and the stats show it too. Like he's such a grinder. And I always think that like, if Norrin hits his first tee shot in the water, like he's going to, that's what I worry about a little bit with Wolf, right? Like that happened at the Amex, right? Mm-hmm. Norin is going to like, cause you're going to mess up. You're going to fuck up at PGA national. And I just trust that Norin's just going to keep his head to the ground and keep going. I just, I, I don't know something about this golf course. I think really, really works for him. Um, and he's another thing, same thing with Mitchell, like 
if you look at Noren's game at a macro level, not the best iron player. Like it's probably one of the weakest points of his game, if not the weakest points of his game over his career. What is Noren doing really well right now? Like hitting his irons, right? He's actually not putting very well right now. And I trust that Noren can figure out the putter. So there we go. We're starting to agree. I mean, I always think better podcasting is when we disagree, but mm-hmm. we're starting to agree. Now, who's who Who else you got? And what about Johnny Vegas? I actually got a good number of Vegas. I got 60 to one on him. And I mean, he's got a couple of good finishes at uh, this tournament. I think he has a fourth back in 2017, three straight top 30 finishes. Uh, he finished T8 at Saudi a couple weeks ago, which actually I've, I've read much of Matthew Wolf actually finished T6 at Saudi. So maybe he figured things out. And Steve, you're really pumping this 3M open thing because he was good there too, right? And he was good there as well. And, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I, like, and I think this week too, like we've kind of been on a trend a little bit of just really good ball strikers. And we always just kind of question, well, can he make any putts? And I mean, we said that about Luke Liss at Torrey Pines and yeah, putting pretty well. Tom Hoagie's kind of been a little dice with putting, finally made some putts at Pebble. You know, last week we were talking about Joaquin Neiman, can he put on POA? And well, at least Thursday and Friday he could put on POA. So yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I really like him. You know, he's got some length where, you know, even though he's taking driver out of his hands, like, you know, he's going to have set himself up pretty nicely uh, for some good approaches. He just hits his irons really well. Uh, I just, I'm really digging him this week. Do we need to talk about Mito at all? I mean, we can. I mean, like, he checks every box of mine. So I'm just not betting him. I don't know. I just, I, I'm just not feeling it this week. I don't know. I don't really That's know. That's all the reason anything. you need. That's all the reason you need. You cannot bet him off of principle, and I would accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, like his he has length off the tee. He is good in that good dry percentage stat. Mm. He hits his irons well. Like he's net positive in his scrambling. Like his putting is pretty great. Like it just it just seems like every time we get a guy that just checks every box, and especially at a golf course that is so penal, it yeah. just I don't know. I just it's feel not like that it's easy. just gonna go. Yeah, and this is his first time here and I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, he can probably figure it out. Just the main goal is just don't hit it in the water here. But yeah. I just, I don't know. I think I'm just going to pass on it. Yeah, it's interesting to me because there's some weeks where he's like 200 to one and you wouldn't even know that he existed, right? And then there's other weeks where people just decide Mito time. And it's like, he's the object of everyone's desires. I actually think like he was a really good play at Riviera last week. Mm. He's under the radar. He was 6.6 K. I understand this is a worse field, but I was looking at like the guys that played Riviera and the guys that played well, Mito's price increased from 6.6 to 8.9. Like even the guys that played well at Riviera, that's kind of a crazy increase to me for finishing 15th there. Um, The one thing that I will say about him is, because for me, he pops from a handicapping standpoint as well. The fact that he is overpriced, the fact that he is 8.9, maybe you can catch an ownership break, but I, that's maybe, that may be wishful thinking. If he is if he is in like the 12 to 11% range, just because the price is so high on him, like who's going to play Mito at 8.9 instead of Bez at 8K? I don't know. I mean, if, if people love Mito again, I think they're just going to jam into a lot yeah, regardless. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No. How about, uh, how about Nikolai Hoygaard? What do we think no. about him? No. no? Well, I, I mean, got a little, I, I can, 
I don't know if I can make a case, but I can at least make a comp for him. Do it. Go for he's it. Bas- he's basically doing like Luke. He's basically Luke List. So bomber off the tee, hitting the hell out of his irons. You know, he's okay around the green, just can't putt. I mean, the problem with if you use data golf and look at how they calculate the strokes gain, basically it's not raw strokes gain, which is good because they're playing against a lot of just jabronis over there. Mm. But they adjusted with strength of field. So if you do something really good, it doesn't quite look as good. But if you do something really bad, like it's going to show. Like his last tournament, they basically estimated he lost 10 strokes putting in relation <laughs> to the field in two rounds, just adjusted for field strength. It's not quite as bad as what it was. But yeah, I mean, like he, like he bombs everywhere. He hits his irons pretty good. But it's like, all right, maybe you got to prove it first. And especially if you're going to be, 45 50 to one on some books and i don't even what's his DraftKings price like 7.6 yeah so well i mean that's not as bad as what i think some of the outright prices are but no i'm probably just it's more wait and see but i can understand if you want to go for the new shiny toy on the pgr because the guy does have talent but it just you gotta prove it first I also bet Brian Harmon at 45 to one. I talked about him a bunch on the Sunday show, so I'm not, I'm not going to go super deep on him, but he's just coming off a really good ball striking performance in Phoenix. He's super accurate off the tee, elite scrambler, elite Bermuda putter. One of the best putters in this field inside 10 feet. I was looking at that because I think putting in the wind is really hard. And surprisingly, he's played a lot better than you would think on harder golf courses and in windy conditions. I wish the number was a little bit better, but I just look at the run that he went on last year and you know he's actually starting to hit the ball even better than that. We just really need the putter to come around, which I think it will. So I love Harmon this week. You have any takes on Harmon or any other guys in this range before I, there's like there's one or two more guys that I want to talk about and ask about, but those are all the guys that I bet. So is there? Yeah, any- yeah. I have one more guy I bet under hundred to one. I got one more guy over hundred one. No, I mean okay. like Brian Harmon. I, I I agree. Like this is the guy who's going to keep the ball in play. You're right. He's starting to hit his irons better. He's net positive over his last twelve rounds now. Great scrambler, pretty good putter. Trisha on Bermuda doesn't make a whole lot of bogeys. And yeah, I mean like I, I think I, I'm more. I think maybe looking at him in the positional market this week. Mm. I just I don't know. When I close my yeah, eyes, like is he, is he going to hold hold the trophy? I don't know. But I I understand going for Brian Harmon if you're looking for just safe, control, consistent. Assuming he's hitting his irons good. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see it. Give me the last guy that you want to bet, and then I want there's one there's one other guy I want to talk about in here that I want to make a weird case for. Okay, well, I mean, so, so it's two guys. So number one, Brett, Chris Kirk is seventy five to one. Oh, me too. Uh, all right, well, there we go. Yeah. All right, we're starting to agree. All right, there that's perfect. Go. All right, so I mean, I, I think a lot of people forget he was actually in the mix last year at the Honda. He just had a really awful Sunday. I think I had a bet on him, and it just it it completely fell apart on him. But you know, that was a guy who's been hitting pretty well, the ball pretty well since coming back in the new year. Um, but he just wasn't putting that great. Finally, the putter kind of came around at TBC Scottsdale, and he hit the ball pretty good there. Like again, like this is kind of like a like a Brian Harmon type where. Just not going to make a whole lot of mistakes off the tee. Uh, you know, he's going to hit yarns pretty good. You know, he's not as good of a putter as Harmon is, but he tends to do a little better on Bermuda in his career. You know, I like, I, I can definitely, I like that play uh, at 75 to one. You covered everything. I, you, you, you laid out the case for Kirk really well. And I already talked about him a little bit on the Sunday show. So I'm, I, I'm going to give like, kind of, I guess this is probably a pretty bold take. I know we, we give some bold takes on your show. So this is, this is my, this is my bold take of the week. 
I think Patrick Reed's going to play really well this week. Okay. I could just, I could just see it, man. Like, I think I can, it, I, can, I can make the case, but I'll let yeah. you make the case first. Okay, so here's what okay. I was thinking with Reed. I just, I think it's a good get right spot for him. When was the only time that Patrick Reed has played well over the last six months? Bermuda. Exactly right. Shit field, Bermuda greens, yuck it up, super windy course. Now I know the ball striking sucks right now, but again, it's like, this is just like a yuck it up spot, right? Like there's going to be carnage everywhere. Good ball strikers are still going to be hitting it in the water. And suddenly it's like, wait, Patrick Reed is T4 right now. And it's like, yeah, what were we thinking? He's the fucking number four player in this field in windy conditions. He's the number one player in this field in scrambling. He's the number one player in this field in difficult scoring conditions, like hard golf course, shitty field, windy bunkers everywhere. Like I haven't made a final decision on what I'm going to do, but I can tell you one thing. He's a hundred dollars cheaper than Mito, and the early ownership is like Reed two percent and Mito sixteen. That's fucking stupid. That is mm-hmm. so fucking stupid. So I, I, I don't know if I could fit him in on my betting card, but like I just, I, this is the first week where people really. I saw the tweet, Steve. Like people at Riviera really started to be like Patrick Reed sucks. Like mm-hmm. get this man off my television. This guy is an abomination. I could see him playing well this week. I okay. Really, I why, why, really why don't we talk about uh, clubs and uh, let's get into some gearhead talk right now. Oh man. So, so, so what driver is Patrick Reed using right now? PXG, right? Yeah. Which is garbage. It's actually the, the, the discounted PXG now. That's like 250 bucks. He's rocking that thing, but that's the only PXG club in his bag. And he hits it just fucking terrible. Can I swear on this show? By the way, I'm sorry. Please, <laughs> please. All right, fine. He hits it fucking terrible. But that's the only PXG club in his bag. I think he uses a tailor-made, uh, like three wooden hybrid. I, I don't recognize what the, I think it's a like custom uh, iron he uses. But I think my hold up was like, all right, because I, 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 I took the same lines thinking as you. It's like, okay, if we're putting the driver mostly in the bag this week and he's not hitting that club off, which then, you can you know, do here, yeah, which you absolutely can do here. Maybe it's not going to be so bad. I remember, I think we actually were making that argument for Adam Scott last year. He was spraying all over the place. Then we're like, okay, maybe if he just keeps the you know, driver in the bag, he doesn't have to yeah, use sure. it. So the, I think the problem here, though, is he's hitting his iron so bad, too. So bad. It's so bad. Like, I was looking for just something yeah. at Riviera or, I what, Tory? I think it just... I don't know. It, he it, shot it, even on day two. So okay. he, shot, he shot six over on day one and even on day two. Okay, so maybe it's just I, I'd have to go look at the round by round data again. Maybe it's just the first round that kind of screwed things up. The but... second round wasn't much better, but it was okay. a little better. Yeah, I, I guess for me, if he starts drifting, because he drifted last week too. I I think before tea time, I saw him over a hundred to one, and if he starts drifting towards seventy five, eighty, eighty five, like it might just be screw it at this point. Yeah, maybe. and I don't know if I he's gonna win. I see this more as like, a, oh, what were we thinking? Like Patrick Reed, like T7, like he's not broken guys. You know what I mean? Like he, he can still kind of scrape his round on a course that is kind of perfect for him. So I was thinking more just like he's 8,800 on DraftKings and he's surrounded by Cameron Young and Mito. Yeah. Like, I don't know, guys. He's a eighth of what Mito's ownership is going to be. And fourth or a fifth of what Cameron Young and Aaron Wise's ownership is going to be. I don't know. I'm just yeah. saying. 
He's, no, I, Russell I, Knox is 15% and like $600 cheaper. That's going to go great for everybody. Anytime I'm Russell sure. Knox is popular, yeah. it just, it doesn't go well. So I, I, I can definitely see it. I, I think for DraftKings, I, I don't mind that play. So I, I, I think I can spend an average. Just, I just, man, it's been, it's so bad. And it's I, so bad. And I want to like precursor. It's like, listen, so many people, so many people have different goals in DraftKings, right? Like I play really aggressively. I have a really small player pool and mm. I'm trying to hit pretty big. Like if you want to um, take a more conservative route and play more cash games and stuff like that and just try and build a bankroll week after week, like, yeah, don't play Patrick Reed. But the way that I view it is I look at his upside and I look at the players around him and I look at the leverage spot that we have and it's just like, wow, I, I don't, I, I don't know. So he, I, we'll see. My, my take is he plays well this week. Like my take is because it got to the point, like he hit a bottom where now it was like, people were tweeting about like, he is awful, awful, awful. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think when that happens, that's when it's like, all right, okay. All right, we'll see. Um, anyone else, though? So I, I think the, the only guy over 101 I took was, I, again, I was trying to think of like the Keith Mitchell type of mold where just, you know, a guy without maybe even not much course history here, just maybe flying out of the rare, but I think he can do kind of similar things as a Keith Mitchell. Taylor Pendrith, 130 to 1. Mm. So he was awful last week. But yeah. listen, sometimes that happens with Riviera to some of these young guys. But before that, he was hitting the ball really good. At, he played well at Torrey, played good at Pebble. And, you know, we just talked about what was the only tournament that Patrick Reed played well. It was that Bermuda tournament. And P- Pendrith probably should have won that thing. Was he up like three or four? I think at some yeah. point in that tournament. Yeah. You know, I mean. course record. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So, you know, what is Taylor Pendrith? He's a, his has, has a lot of length. Uh, he's been hitting his irons pretty good in the short term. He puts pretty well on Bermuda. You know, his scrambling is around the green game. It's about average. It's on PGA Tour, but, you know, like it's very limited sample size, but he's been playing pretty good out of bunkers. I know it's something you're looking at this week too. And, you know, I like, I just think with these, some of these rookies here that a lot of them are really talented and like your Cameron, it's going to be Cameron Young one week and then it's going to be Sahit Tagala. And I know we had their Hayden Buckley's and, you know, I, I think it's going to kind of cycle around these guys all week and, you know, in a very weak field and a guy I think is pretty talented. You know, he played pretty well at, uh, what was it? Wingfoot that us open too. And yeah, I just, yeah. So I just, I took a stab 130 to one, just see how it goes. I like that. Especially cause I was, I really like usually in the 6k range um I have too many guys like mm-hmm. there's so many guys that I like and I would play I had a harder time with it this week like I don't I don't I just I don't love it I don't love what I was what I was seeing I ended the last guy I bet was Kirk at 90 so mm-hmm. the next guys I'll talk about are are more DraftKings but yep. I'm always going to play Mark Hubbard like I, he's the number one bunker player in this entire field over a large sample size, elite scrambler, elite in bogey avoidance, great wedge player, great Bermuda putter. Um, I just, I'm going to play him. Um, I, if you want to bet him at 150 to one, I don't know if I see him winning. He has, I think three top tens on the PGA tour, but he'll make the cut. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's, that's a guy I like too. 
maybe we're back to seeing Doc Redman kind of be like just really good T to green ball striker, just can't putt. I mean, his iron numbers are starting to come back and he doesn't get in too much trouble off the tee. That's another guy I can kind of see maybe making the cut. Speaking of iron play, you know whose irons have been really, really good? Who? Luke Donald. (laughs) 6.4. I know he's really good here. I think I'm going to let others just play him. Okay, so who are the guy, who are you playing under 7K then? You know, I, Ryan Armour. That's a guy yeah. who's actually been playing his irons pretty good. And, I mean, I, I've been going back to well with this TBC Twin Cities thing. He even played play pretty well there last year. <laughs> you know, his course history just sucks, but he does have a T12. I think in his last three Honda Classics, I think he finished like T51 last year too. It just This is a guy who I just think that is not going to get in a whole lot of trouble off the tee. Is hitting his irons pretty good. His overall Bermuda record is um, putting there is actually okay. So that's that's probably a guy I'm going to be using a lot under 7,000 this week. The only other guy that I wanted to talk about, I really like Kramer Hickok this week. Two appearances here, top 30 both times. Really accurate off the tee. Great short game. Fifth in this field in sand saves. 20th in scrambling. Good success on Bermuda. I trust him in the wind. He's a Texas guy. I think I just think he's a good play at 6.8. I mean, I was looking at like, I was looking at Smotherman a little bit and stuff yeah. like that. But I mean, once we're down here, it's dumpster diving. And I don't have the I don't have the conviction that I usually do in the sixes, which probably means it's going to be a lot of Hubbard and Hickok. So that's why I was like, am I missing anyone down here? And maybe I think you've helped me a little bit out on Pendrith. Yeah, I mean, I that was the one guy. I also looked at Smotherman as well, just because I mean I mean, his last two appearances have been really good. The ball striking, really looks, good. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it looks really good on paper. Is around the green and putting just kind of sucks. Awful. And that's that's kind of like the Austin Eckroth syndrome, kind of seeing like, all right, I'm falling in love with the T to green game, but just he's he's completely dope. Eckroth short game is so bad. Yeah, yeah, it is so bad. You watch it on Shot Tracker, like it, we joke about it in one of my group chats all the time. It's unbelievable. Like he actually. You know, and this was kind of a thing with Hovland too earlier, where mm-hmm. it's a um, maybe it's an Oklahoma State thing, but yeah. Hovland used to like doff chips, like mm-hmm. abs- like Hovland would chip in sometimes, but Hovland would also like hit a chip two feet in front of him, and he would also chip in sometimes. Eckrode like doffs chips, which is a scary point to be at. Hopefully, he figures that out because I think he's talented as hell. He just. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I remember Hovland watching him at the U.S. Open at Pebble, and I mean, he was hitting the ball great, but as soon mm. as he got into a bunker, yeah. I think even they were saying, like, oh, he struggles in this, and of course, he just duffed it. I think he left it in the bunker again for, you know, a second. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's not about these Oklahoma State guys. Like, Matthew Wolf never really had the best short game. Hovland, it's it's improving, at least, but even you saw it a little bit last, uh, yesterday. Gooch, Gooch and Norin both have really good short games, which that is, is that helpful is true. for them. Yeah, that is, that is very true. Um, I think that's it, Steve. I'm like, is there any hope on, on Woodland Island? Like, should I just like sell, sell, sell? I don't. I I need something with him, but I'm I'm starting to lose faith. I'm starting to lose a little faith on my boy. I I'm the wrong person to go to for Gary Woodland. I think your soft place to fall is my co-host over on the Golf Gambling Podcast. He never wants to see to give him. Up. I just it seems like since that hip injury. 
it just hasn't been the same. And I know we've, we saw a glimpse of it at the CJ Cup. He finished, what, T9. But just since then, he it misses. seems like every every week it's like, all right, we're at a woodland track. It's time I to know. go. And he just falls flat. And Yeah. I, he's he's improved it, prove it to me mode at this point. Yeah, he, he misses the cut on the number a mm-hmm. lot which I like, but he misses the cut a lot. Like yeah. he, he misses the cut a lot. So yeah, I'm a uh, TBD, but I'm starting to lose a little faith in him. Anyone else that we missed Ricky, you know, what's interesting. Like, ah, that was the problem that I had with Woodland is like, they actually, why is Woodland 8k right now? Like that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes that decision a little bit early, easier. I thought Fowler was going to be like 9K this week and like 40 to 1. I still don't think I could play him. He made the cut for me last week, but I just I don't trust him. He beat I took a Fowler over Kucher matchup, and let me tell you, that was a sweat, my friend. <laughs> Fowler finished T55 and Kucher finished T62. Nice pillow fight there. Oh yeah, I think God, I think uh, I think Boston Capper was on the other side of that. So uh, I'm glad you profited. Unfortunately, <laughs> for my co-host, he lost that, but. No, I, you know, the funny thing about Fowler is if you look at his recent results, he's actually hitting the ball pretty well. It's yeah. he, he can't putt. Yeah. But I think, I think that's actually like the yips putting, like, like, has he been changing putters like every other tournament, just trying to find something. It seems like it's been the case for the last year with him. It's a it's bummer too. Enough. Cause if, if I had to, if you asked me, can you have one putting stroke on the entire PGA tour? I'd choose Ricky's. It's so mm-hmm. clean. He doesn't move his body or his head at all. It's just a really smooth motion. So it's a bummer mm-hmm. to see him kind of lose his weapon. But yeah, I think we covered everyone that I want to talk about. Just to recap for me, Steve, I went Louis at 20, Keith Mitchell 36, Alex Noren 40, Brian Harmon 45, and Chris Kirk 90. That's it for me. Probably probably a top 40 on Hubbard and and Hickok and maybe one or two more guys, but that's about it. What about you? Okay. Yeah. So I went Shane Lowry 25 to one, Alex Noren at 40 to one, Matthew Wolf at 40 to one, Johnny Vegas is 60 to one, Chris Kirk is 75 to one, and Taylor Pendrith 130 to one. So yeah, I, I haven't really looked at the uh, the positional markets yet. I'll probably do that tomorrow once everything comes out. I can price shop a little bit, but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's going to be interesting how I build my card this week just because it's, it's going to be a lot of landmines out there. So yeah, just be careful out there, boys. Twitterless Steve, everyone. Where can so you're not on Twitter? So what if people want to like talk agronomy with you, like me? Like where can where can people find you? Well, I mean, you get my inner circle, and I can just give you my phone number, and then we could just exchange text messages like I, that. But we, I, there's a vetting process there. Like there, there there's absolutely. A, there's a there. Yeah, I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, but I like I like where your head's at. Well, if if you don't make the inner circle, then you can come join the Slack channel. It's at the bottom. The link is at the bottom of all my articles, and it's a really good group of guys. I think we like 250, 300 guys in there that we just we sweat each other's bets. We throw out stuff during the weekend. There's a lot of shtick that goes on too. It's great, and you know you can find my column uh, every Sunday and Tuesday over at SportsGamblingPodcast.com. I put my Sunday preview column up. Uh, then, and I put my picks up on Tuesday and then Boston Capper and I record the golf gambling podcast Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're going to be recording right after this. We're going to talk DFS and, uh, our outright bets, uh, right after this. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, Andy. Anytime, buddy, we will do it again many times in the future, I'm sure. And uh, it's good to see you, buddy. Yeah. Good to see you too. Thanks. All right, that will do it. Special thanks to Twitterless Steve Shermer. Please don't forget, if you haven't already, 
Like, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts really takes about approximately 37 seconds, and it really helps me out more than you know, especially since I want to keep everything completely free. Look out for me later this week on The Scramble with Rick Gaiman. Round one matchups for Odds Checker will be out Wednesday morning as well. Midway Report will be out on Friday and a special deep dive on the Saudi stuff with Rick later this week on his podcast feed. Have a great rest of the week. Good luck with your picks and we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead shed the back